thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's welcome our guest today. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Dan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Dan Farrington. Here we go. Um, well, let's just dive right in, Dan. What was uh, life like growing up for you? Well, I was born and raised in Newport, Oregon. I had uh, four brothers, and uh, my mom and dad uh, were not wealthy, but my dad owned his own company. It was a concrete business, so we learned right away how to wheel concrete. And uh, But we were all athletes. We all played sports. I was fourth in line, so I had three older brothers, one younger brother. There's 10 years between us, all of us, and... Uh, we famous for living at the baseball field in the summer. Uh, there you my, go. My mom ran the concession stand, stand. My dad was a coach, and all five of us played all the way through. So sports was kind of a big deal. In Newport, We people say, well, you probably love fishing. I said, well, I never fished. I was too busy playing sports. <laughs> and uh, I always tell my kids, too, that, you know, you we could come in the house when it was time to eat or go to bed. And there you had, go. And you had to learn how to play outside. And so we did a lot of things at the beach that you probably – would never let your kids do now, like being in a raft and in the waves and chase uh, logs. And, and our famous thing was in the summer or in the wintertime when we had storms go down and uh, collect, used to be able to get, collect the uh, glass balls. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't see those anymore. But, I mean, we've pulled out nets of small, round, yellow ones and huge uh, turquoise ones. And that we, actually, I have a couple of them still in my backyard from those days. But uh, Well, yeah, you guys caught them all, so right. no so, more for us. <laughs> but, you know, New, Newport, it rained a lot. So I always laughed when I came to the valley when people said, this is rain. I said, no, this is not rain. It's coming straight down. Yeah. So rain <laughs> is when it's sideways in <laughs> accumulation. So um, uh, growing up was a great life um, of working hard. We learned how to work from my father. He was a giver. He was always He had a concrete business, so we always gave... We're always doing something for somebody, yeah. and um, and we'd get calls in the middle of the night saying, I remember when they did the sand, build houses there at Salishan with the spit out there. Then when they first built it, my dad said, you're crazy, and uh, and to do that, and they said, well, we're going to build it, and Christmas, I remember one Christmas Eve, we got a phone call and said, hey, the waves are too high, can you bring out some rock? So three mm-hmm. of my brothers had license, and my dad and took dump trucks out there and hauled rock out there all night for 24 hours to save about six or seven houses. So he did a lot of things like that. Mm. um, The Undersea Gardens, which was famous for uh, Newport and the Bay, was made out of concrete, which a lot of people didn't know. And when they first put it in, my dad said, you better have that tied on. And sure enough, we got a phone call saying it was floating (laughs) out in the middle of the bay. So he got a dump truck. And and if you know some of the hills there in Newport, he tied it to a hitch and drove up the hill to pull it back into shore and tie it up. Wow. So, so a lot of little fun stories like that. And, yeah. um, you know, we all, uh, my kids say, oh, I love snow. I said, well, we had snow once and it was <laughs> pretty heavy. I mean, I think we had maybe 10, 12 inches. And, and if you've been in Newport going down the hills, going down into the bayfront, that was a lot of fun. But, yeah. but we only got to do it once. So, yeah. um, But growing up was a lot of fun. We learned a lot of things about working hard and giving back to our community and, um, and having brothers, you know, they, they challenged me, had three older brothers that challenged me to be be the best I could be. And, and I Mm. was a pretty good athlete. And so full disclosure, uh, out of you, you all, who is the best athlete? Well, I always say my brother, Bob, who was second in line was probably the best because he had size. He was six, three, about two twenty, And, and I was, 
We were all five, three, five, four as sophomores in high school. Mm-hmm. Right. But they all knew we were going to grow. The next year, I was six one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was kind of a tradition of by your time you're the fourth kid coming through the high school, the high school uh, football coach knew that you were going to be bigger. So I was, I was very fortunate. I was able to play up. Uh, a lot of those years because I was a pretty good athlete and I, you know, we, that's all we did was sports. And uh, yeah. so as a freshman, I got to work out with the varsity and basketball and football and baseball, played on the JV teams working up, but, um, but I always got to work out with them and, and which was a great experience for me. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Awesome. Sounds like sports might've been the first thing you were passionate about. That's one of our questions usually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get, my oldest brother, Steve was, uh, was played all three sports in high school and then went on to college at Eastern Washington and played all three sports there and Dang. was a teacher and a coach and famous now for his coaching ability in, in the state of Washington. He was a head coach at Washington state for mm. six years and, um, very well respected by the pro scouts and they came to him a lot for that. And so I wanted to follow his footsteps. So I went to school to be a teacher and a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite sport? I would say baseball, but I love playing basketball. Okay. I just, I, mm. I love playing it, but I love, uh, you know, I've been a coach for 40 years, so I've always right. loved to coach baseball. Just, I love the strategy and, uh, and in the, in the game itself. Yeah. So you go, uh, get out of high school, off to, to college to be a teacher. And then, uh, what's, uh, what was maybe the, was sports the first time that you recognized leadership? In yourself, like what was the what was maybe the first time you re- realized that you were a leader? Well, I think I think it started actually early on when I was a freshman in high school. I was um, I was always everybody, all the coaches knew who I was, my name, everything. So I felt like I had to speak up and, and lead and um, and be the person that um, you know. I was we were in a very close type family that was very strict. Uh, they didn't want us, you know, I tell people when I was in high school, I babysit after my games for the AD. I mean, I, I didn't have a social life <laughs> and and um, very tiny. So I learned early on that I needed to be a leader in everything I did. And um, and I took that baseball. I was an all-state first baseman, and I led our team. I had a group of always the athletes in my class. There was not a lot of us. Um, I think there were six of us maybe that played uh, most of the sports. And, uh, so there was a lot of sophomores and juniors. I had, my brother was a sophomore when I was a senior. And so I had to lead that baseball team, uh, to mm. where it was at. So going to college, I had all the confidence in the world, like every other athlete that goes to college from a three, a 3A school to, <laughs> to college. And you know, the first day of baseball practice in the fall, I run out and, you know, and I'm an all state first baseman. I could hit the ball pretty well and get out there and they go to first base, and there's a six-five and a six-four first baseman, both right-handed and left-handed. And I'm left-handed. It's like my first baseman glove out there, and I go ah, ran back in the dugout and grabbed my pitching glove and ran to right field because <laughs> I knew I was not going to get on the field with those two guys. They were both juniors and seniors, and they're both bad three-four in the lineup. And I realized that I need to learn another position, mm. and yeah. so I I did that and. And of course, played two years at Southern Oregon, and then transferred to Oregon, thinking I was going to play there. And and then the, they came down and told us the baseball program was canceled um, wow. due to Title IX. And uh, so I decided to go out to Sheldon High School and start coaching. So okay. here I am, not a very good student. Uh, got you know, like everybody else, 
you know, freedom and off to college, you got into <laughs> all kinds of the wrong places and the wrong people and, and, you know, but learned a lot, you know, it was something I probably would not change. Um, but you know, my leadership, my fighting never quit attitude, uh, led me to coaching and, and at 21 years old, I started coaching and, and that's ever since I, I knew I had, I knew I had the skills to teach. I knew how, mm. knew how to break it down. Um, but I learned from lots of different coaches how to coach and, but yeah. Yeah, it's coaching, mentoring, discipling, right? It's kind of all the same thing. It's it's a pretty rewarding uh, relationship, whether you're the recipient or the person who's supposedly doling out the, the right. wisdom, right? Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I know uh, kind of you have kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, right? And so uh, you've been a business owner, you know, um, multiple different ways. Yeah, what uh, what's maybe one of the best business lessons you've learned along the way? Be a good listener. Mm. And, um, you know, I went to, you know, I, I, I went through a lot of things that humbled me very, a lot through my twenties and learned a lot by working for lots of different people. And I think when people, you go to work for somebody, absorb what the owners are doing and what the the people, leaders in that company are doing. And that's kind of what I absorbed during those years. And then mm. I always wanted to own my own business because my father owned his own business. My grandfather owned his own business. But, uh, being humble, I went through a divorce, got remarried, married a lady that's a firecracker, and we combined six kids together, and we knew that we needed to work hard, and at the same time, I started my own business. Mm. And from that, starting my own business told me that my competitiveness from being an athlete is I got to fight through it. And then I had a wife that was a very competitive in sports, and she was fighting. So mm. we were both basically, you know, we, we have to. We have to be good leaders in doing that. But I think the biggest thing it was for me was to be a good listener uh. and listen to your team. Um, I was on this other side of being an employee. Now I'm an employer. I'm leading them. What were the things I would like out of that? Or how, how would I like to be treated? And um, I think it's the biblical line of, you know, treat others the way you like to be treated. And my, yeah. And my dad always installed that into his, how you want to be treated is, you know, you know, you got to treat people well. And yeah. give them great benefits and those type of things. Um, but also I went to a conference where they told me, he said, Dan, put your name in this circle and then right around it, how would you make this team, your team successful? And don't put your employees' names in it. Put what you need to make you great. And what are your weaknesses? Mm. So learn what your weaknesses are early. And then try to hire those staff around you that are help your weaknesses be better. Mm. And work on your strengths. And, um, you know, we all have certain strengths, but we all have a lot of weaknesses. Yeah. And um, so realizing what your weaknesses are and, and look for that help from other people. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, it's a similar philosophy to how we run our organization, right? We all, everybody on our staff goes through personality assessments and gifts assessments and all those things. So that, you know, I think the the first thing about being even just a good grown up, uh, you know, or employer, parent, future parent, uh, future employer, manager, whatever is know like what you said, knowing yourself and, and that's one of the best things you can give to your organization, you know, that you're working for, whether that's a church or business or whatever. And so, yeah, so we spend time uh, around here uh, on the, on some of those issues. And uh, however imperfectly we do it, we continue to evaluate it and try to get people in, in the most 
productive and fruitful spot for them, which means it's more rewarding for them, which in turn makes it more productive for the organization. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And, and evaluation is huge. I mean, I being a coach for so many years and I, I tell a lot of players and I tell my, them that, hey, you know, I, every night when I go to bed, I go look in the mirror and say, what did I do today that was good and what do I need to improve on mm. and how can I be better tomorrow? Yeah. Hmm. and not look at what I, you know, you have to realize what you did to be able to value, truly evaluate yourself. And I, in being a coach and coaching a lot of youth, you have to explain to a lot of parents that, hey, look, this is where your son is, or this is where your daughter is. This is what they need to work on. This is what they, how they can get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are things I work on too. Sure. To, to make myself better, help put them in the right position to be successful. And, yeah. and, and, put, and be honest about that. Because sometimes parents tend to put their kid in a place where they're not comfortable or mm. they can't excel and realize what their gifts are. Right. You know. That's a good point. I mean, I think uh, the American stereotypical parent probably stumbles in that area, you know, either uh, forcing their views or, or, or their childhood on, on their kid or maybe them not accurately assessing where their passions and gifts are, you know, and allowing that to, to flourish. Uh one of the points you made uh, just a few minutes ago, there's a, a saying, I'm trying to remember which leader uh, says it, but uh, if, you, if you're done improving, you're done leading. And so uh, that's something similar to you and I. I think about that on a daily or weekly basis on, on how can how can I continue to improve? How yeah. can the organization continue to improve? Yeah. yeah and I, I've heard that line of, you know, good leaders are good learners. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, you, there's something that someone's going to say that may help you. And that's why... You always need to be in lots of different environments to hear what other leaders are talking about. Yeah. And don't think that you know everything. Yeah, I think a lot of people say, hey, it's my way or the highway. And, and obvious, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of employees. <laughs> and, and I look at it, I, I have long-term employees because the way I treat them and the way I look out for them and their families and their, and their kids and, and, and really make it more personal. Mm-hmm. But also I say, if you work hard for me, I'll work hard for you. Right. And that's another thing from my father, you know, right. so I, I, I learned a lot from my grandfather and, and father. My grandfather started a business in the 1920s in Newport, Toledo, Walport called the Farrington Five and Dime. And, and he basically helped people get through the recession because he had right. a full, uh, you know, variety store to help yep. people with different things to get them through that recession piece. And then they mm-hmm. came back and paid him back where they couldn't pay for it at the time. And, and yeah. he was that type of giver in, in the community. So, yeah, those are wonderful lessons to learn. I mean, work ethic and, and those type of things. I, I, uh, uh, I often say that, uh, nobody in our organization is going to outwork me, you know? And so, uh, I, I think if you went around and asked the people in my organization that, they know that I'm head down, you know, right. work, working hard. I'm not sitting back. I'll clean a toilet. I'll mop a floor, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll also go get us huge grants and, and partnerships, you know. And so, sure. yeah, yeah got to be willing to do that same stuff. And so I'm fortunate. Uh, you got anything else you'd chime in about that maybe? Well, I was going to say something we should talk about is maybe describe what you do now outside of coaching. What is it that you go. fills yeah. your time job-wise? Sure. Um, it's called Sunrise Medical Consultants. We do independent medical exams um, for the work comp and the auto industry. So any person that gets hurt on the job or has to fill out an 801 or whatever or in a car accident, insurance company has a right to get a second opinion um, and maybe 
sometimes it's better advice, sometimes it's right along the right advice, or um, just more information for the insurance company or attorney. We're, we, everybody in there is, is responsible for everything. You mm-hmm. have to be able to know everybody's job because you never, yep. you know, we don't have a lot of extra employees that can just, hey, fill in for that. No, mm-hmm. you're, you got to do everybody's job. So if they need me in Kennewick, Washington or Spokane, Washington, I'm there. And uh, so that, that, that's the way we work. Um, like yeah. it's like just like what you say, you know, you have to outwork your staff, and if you're not willing to do it, don't ask your staff to do it. Right? Yeah, I think you know the maybe the American perception is just that all small business owners are rich, and you know they you you want to be a small business owner. And <clears throat> I always tell people, man, you, you better count the costs, right? Because at the end of the day, the buck stops with you, and uh, there's times when you don't get paid so that others can and those leaner times you're making those decisions that uh, that people don't have to that are just collecting the paycheck and there's nothing wrong with collecting the paycheck you know for sure right and and yeah and my kids you know we combined these six kids and i was working every day trying to build this thing you know there was some days i could make it to everything and yeah but there was a lot of times being a business owner the advantages are you can go to everything but you're going to work late at night. You're going to get up earlier in the morning. If so, you know, I was in the restaurant business for five years too. Mm, yeah, I, yeah. Remember, I remember having uh, here in town with Rock and Rogers, and I'd have get a call at four a.m. The cook say, "I'm sick today." Guess what I was doing? Yeah, I, you're going to cook burgers. I, I'm cooking breakfast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. and, and so again, I was used to that fast pace and always willing to do whatever it took to make the business work. And that's that's the business owner has to understand. You're getting into it. You're not there to count money. You're there to work. Right. And you're you're setting the tone for your staff. And if you're a hard worker, your staff is going to be hard workers. And if yeah. you're willing to do the extras, they're willing to do extras. Because we, our company tries to give back. We have uh, sure. adopt a road out there, so we're always cleaning up twice a year. And, you know, and just making sure, hey, we need to give back. And, you know, and we, we give, try to give back during the holidays and to help families that need, need support. And then we, we uh, fund a couple of different organizations in town just because they need help. Yeah. So it's, it's an investment, but it's a lot of time and effort. And, and it's not as, it might, may look good on the outside, but you get in it, you just got to be willing to, your life, that's your life. Yeah. 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 You better love it. Right. Yeah. Um, what would you say to your younger self now that you're kind of looking like you're transitioning to another stage of life? What would you say looking back to your younger self, like your 20, 20 year old self? What would I say to myself? Yeah, yeah your twenty twenty five year old self. Yeah. Make better decisions. <laughs> uh, no, invest. Uh, you know, invest early into retire uh, type retirement funds. Uh, manage your money better. Um, you don't need all the glorious things. Mm. Re- try to live more simple life because later on you can you can have more fun. Um, <laughs> At that time, you saw. I think, like I think, most kids go through. All of a sudden, they have money in their hands, or they want to spend everything. They want to go here. They want that. And also, you don't need the fancy car. You know, I, 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 I always tell this story. In two thousand eight, we were business was going great. I went and bought myself a brand new F one fifty club cab. You know, nice truck and all that. And then it crashed. Yeah. And then I felt that I had to let some people go. I felt so bad. I traded my truck in right. for. So a lower model used mm. just because I felt guilty driving to work with it. Right. Why do I need this? And I'm laying all these people off. So again, live a little more simply. You don't need the fancy car. You need what gets you to work and back, but you know, invest in your 
invest in your employees. And um, I, I should probably should have done a better job of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, so so for those uh, listeners out there, uh, look up compound interest. <laughs> that's that uh, that's one way of how your your money grows. Uh, you know, I I think the earlier you can do without a little bit of that, you know, it, it builds up. I mean, uh, we. Uh, I was in the mortgage business through oh seven oh eight. You know when uh, that was a rough a rough go. You know, so a lot of that long term nest egg got evaporated in no time. You know, and so, but uh, but you know a principle that we we try to live by is just eighty ten ten. Right, so we tied 10%. And of course, we certainly give to multiple organizations above mm. above and beyond that. Try to save ten percent and then live on on eighty. You know, and then and. Uh, it's a pretty comforting thought to know that when a tire goes flat or when a transmission goes out to to have some emergency fund that you can just exercise, you know, that instead of having to borrow the money and, and so on. So, yeah, so like you're saying, you do without a few toys and, and that thing sure. along the way. But uh, but the building that discipline has, has worked out well for me. And I, I would probably give most of that credit to my wife. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, discipline's I, a good I, thing. Yeah, I give a lot of my credit to my wife. Yeah. Being a missionary kid, she learned to live off very little. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've uh, we've learned a lot. I yeah. mean, raising six kids, we ate a lot of casseroles. That's right. <laughs> you know, and we didn't have the nice steaks and, and that type of thing. What, uh, in, in your personal life, uh, what's what's something that you do regularly, maybe daily, weekly, or whatever, that has uh, helped you in, in some form or fashion? Is there a, a discipline? Is there something you do regularly? Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't become a Christian until I was 37, and that changed my life. Mm-hmm. And at 44, I decided to let God help coach sports besides me. I thought I knew everything. So it took me seven years to figure out that I had to give that to God too. But uh, on a daily routine, I, I get up and I read um, a, a message for the day. And then I read a verse in the Bible. And then I have another a book that I kind of look at in the morning. So I take, you know, 10 to 15, 20 minutes every morning to get my head right. Mm. And it helps me with my confidence and my belief and, mm. and that type of thing. And and when I struggle, I always have a few verses that I go to, um, like we all do. We all, we all are struggling, struggle. And, uh, you know, I have a Bible study group that I meet every Friday morning at 6am and, um, I'm a usher at church and, uh, we're in a community group every Wednesday night, and then I, Linda and I do biblical counseling at our church, yeah. and, and so we're we're invested in people and yeah. helping people. But mm-hmm. also, when you help people, it helps you. Yeah. So on a on a lighter hearted thing, we've got the a few uh, like it's either this or that, cardio or weights. Cardio. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have two re- joint replacements in my shoulders. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about uh, hamburgers or tacos? Uh, I'm a hamburger guy. Yeah, yeah. Cheese or no cheese? No cheese. Yes. Guacamole. We're we're pretty rare though. Most people order a cheeseburger. People like you don't want cheese on it. No, because I want to taste the beef. I want to yeah. taste the burger. Yeah. The more crap you put on that thing, other than lettuce, tomato, just the regular stuff that should be on there. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. And then uh, maybe Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Neither. We yeah. were not raised on any pop. I, know, I don't drink go. pop. So. Yeah. It's true for us too. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, what what maybe as you're thinking, you know, to our listeners, what's is there anything that we didn't 
cover that you would maybe would want to throw out there, you know, as a, either a piece of advice or something about yourself? Or, yeah. I, I would say that, you know, the, the things that you're scared about doing or nervous about doing, go, you know, you need to reach out and try something new. And, um, you know, that's something I think I've learned um, over the years is trying things that are, that are new to me that I've never done before. And, and you'll find out if you like it or not. I mean, but at least try it. And um, and conversations with people that that you don't think you'll ever have conversations with. Mm. Um, um, my wife always says I talk to too many people. <laughs> and, and and or how do you get to know them? I said, well, I just asked them a question. Yeah, you know, and so a lot of people out there are hurting, and and to me, I I think you have to reach out, and and I'm a hugger, and it's there funny. Funny at church, I'm an usher in, in the in the Human Gospel Mission. They have a New Life Fellowship program there, and those guys come in every uh, Sunday morning. They walk off the get off the van and come in, and everyone gives me a hug. Yeah. The other usher's going like, "What's going on?" Right. I said, "Well, it's it's an investment. You have yeah. you have to take time. They they trust me. Yep. And they care about me, but they want to give me a hug too. They like it, it's shown that you care about who they are and, mm-hmm. and where they're going, but not just them." Yeah, you know, so I mean, some people are not huggers. We, right, you know who those no, are. Sure, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, like what are you, what are you, what are yeah. you doing to me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I think you, I think in this society, I think we need to uh, reach out and care about you know all people, and no matter what their background is, and and um, and I always say that there's an opportunity for them all. You know, and I'm a big about kids. That that's why I coach. That every kid in that team can be successful if we invest time in them. Yeah. The same with our schools, whatever their background is, there's potential in, in every person. How do you draw out that potential? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's, good. that's being a good leader, good uh, mentor, whatever you do. People have potential, and you don't know what it is unless you invest time. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dan, and thank you, listeners. And um, if you'd like to listen to our podcast, it airs every Saturday at 11 a.m. on KSLM. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring.